Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. God bless you this morning, church. What's up? It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. You happy to be here this morning? Man, I'm happy to be here this morning. I, a few Saturdays ago, found out, well, I, I, that, the evening of the, the garage sale, we had a, a really awesome garage sale, and I was prepared the next Sunday morning to, to tell Heather, who I know coordinated that, that event, that it was just amazing. Uh, the vendors spoke very highly of, of you and the organization, um, but that evening I started feeling a little weird, a little funky. And uh, that that Saturday night, I, I couldn't sleep. I had fever all night. I was with with chills. And uh, I, I would tell Melissa uh, in the middle of the night, Melissa's, Melissa is the worst. Like if you're trying to communicate her with her and she's like awake, she's not really awake. Like she'll sit up and everything. It's creepy, man. It's creepy. Uh, but but, you know, sometimes she, you know, she she uh, she fools me. Right. Because she's awake. and I'm like, babe, touch, touch my head, touch my head. I think I'm like, I think I'm, I'm hot. And she wouldn't respond. I'm like, man, you hate me. You know, um, but sure enough, the next morning I, I did have a fever and I, I didn't I didn't make it to church that morning. Uh, my dad stepped in and he, he brought a word last week. Angel brought a word. Um, so I'm glad that I'm glad that we were able to continue with the word of God. And I know that it spoke. Um, but I just, I want to say thank you for, for everyone, for everyone who reached out with, whether with a text or a phone call or, um, what, whatever it was, many of you, you know, I felt your prayers. Uh, I felt your, your love. I mean, every single night there was not a, there was not a night that we did not have a meal delivered to our house. We even had groceries delivered to our house. I had about, um, like 12 calditos. Uh, during this pa- these past 14, 15 days. So I probably won't have any more soup for the rest of the year. But man, you guys can, y'all can some of y'all can throw down. Y'all can throw down. Uh, I, I was telling Melissa jokingly, I was like, maybe, maybe we should say we still have COVID so that this continues. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm very, very grateful to be a part of this church. I, w- I was also telling Melissa, like if there's any church that you would want to suffer in, it's Newman Church. Because we've got our backs. We love each other. There is, there is, such, a, there is such a giving uh, culture, loving culture in our church. One that empathizes and sympathizes um, with, with, uh, with each other. And so if you're here for the first time, I, I do want to boast in, in, in my church um, that it is, it is an awesome church. Um, one that we would love to, to have you be family or be a part of this morning. So anyways, thank you for that. I just wanted to say that. Um, this morning, I'm going to read a passage from the book of Romans chapter one. You can go ahead and, and turn there. We're going to read a little bit and I'm going to admit, first of all, that this passage that we're about to read is not very, um, it's not very welcoming, uh, especially for a friends and family Sunday. It's very intense. Um, if you're not already a follower of Christ, I'm going to warn you, there's a very good chance that this word might offend you. And uh, that being said, that's, that's what preachers do. You know, we just, we deliver 
the word of God. And many times it is offensive to believers and non-believers alike. And I, I know that this is one of the things, this is one of the things that, that keeps people away from church. People don't like to be preached to. They don't like to be preached at. If it's somebody else that you're preaching to, we're like, yes, pastor, glory to God, preach to him. He needs to hear that word. Say it loud. Say it, say it louder for the people in the back, right? But what about when you're the person in the back? <laughs> what about when it's, what about when it's, when it hits home, uh, when it hits close to home and it's attack, the word is attacking your worldview and your perspective and, and the things that you care about. Those times we, we tend to kind of close our minds a little bit. So what I do want to ask of you this morning, if you're visiting, um, you might not be so inclined to give me the next 30 or 35 minutes, but I'm going to ask that you do. If after today you decide to never come back again because of the pastor, what the pastor said, I'll take the blame. I will add one more thing. What I'm doing this morning is I'm just reading the Bible and I'm expounding on it. I'm not giving a weird, unheard of interpretation of the word. It's one thing to, you know, to, to be offended by a weird and a questionable theology. It's another thing to be offended by the truth of God's word. So let's read it. Amen. Some of y'all are excited. Some of y'all are scared. Y'all don't know what to think. Romans 1, 18 through 28 <clears throat> says this for the wrath of God. Dang, already <laughs> we already went there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made. So they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasonings and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image of the form of corruptible mankind, of birds, four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them up to vile impurity in the lusts of their hearts so that their bodies would be dishonoring among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged natural relations for what is contrary to nature. And likewise, the men too abandoned natural relations with women and burned in their desire towards one another. Males with males committing shameful acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a deprived mind to do those things that are not proper. People have been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unfeeling, and unmerciful. Man, Paul is not relenting here. And though they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Someone say, ouch. 
Lord God, bless this word this morning, Father. We know that it is from you. It is directly from the word that you have already spoken to your people, Father God. I pray, Lord, that this morning your Holy Spirit bring conviction, my God. I pray that you bring a softening of hearts, my God, so that we may leave here, my God, with our hearts turned to you and not against you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of my message this morning is There is a War. I want you to say that with me this morning. There is a war. One more time, like, 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 like you have to make this, dec- you have to acknowledge it. There is a war. And this war is not among nations. It's not among members against the other political party. It is not a war among people. It is a war as Ephesians Six says against the rulers, against the uh, authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present age, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But Paul says that we do not battle against flesh and blood. We battle against evil. And praise God that, you know, as believers, we know how the story ends. We know how the battle ends. It, It was already won. Right. But at times it does look as if evil prevails. David even said the same thing. He said, Lord, why does it look like my enemies prosper when I do not? How long, O Lord, will you forsake me? How long will you allow unrighteousness to prevail? And when you look at our world, you know, we don't see a world that embraces the goodness of God. We see a world that goes against everything that God stands against. And in the middle of of this war are those who fight the good fight. You and me. We, We preach against evil. We preach for good things. We we try to behave in a manner. Uh, in which God would approve of. We we try to live in the ways of God, but even the righteous are not exempt from the temptation to give into the evils of this world. That is the world that, that is the war that we find ourselves in today. And I'll, I'll even put it more direct in, in a more simple way. There is a war for your soul. There is a war for your soul. Don't get, I know it's a serious, a serious sermon, right? Maybe you're expecting something a little bit more lighthearted. Pastor Ryan hasn't preached in, in three weeks, you know, he's going he's gonna to ease back into it. I wanted to, man. Believe me, I already had another word planned. It was, it was good. Got, got the, the right amounts of funny in it. Uh, but last minute, God, God changed it up. And I know today is a special day. These, you know, these, this is a friends and family Sunday. Last year, um, we had determined to do a friends and family day once every, uh, once every other month. Um, and, you know, with COVID this year, we, this is only our, I believe, our second one that we will have had this year. And I was, as I was reading this text, this scary, unpopular in the 21st century Western culture text, I started wondering to myself, what do people who don't normally come to church think when they step into these doors and they hear a word like that? I was really trying to to grasp it, you know, because I've, I've been in church all my life. I'm used to words like this. I'm used to being preached to in church and out of church. <laughs> and, and I try to, 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 to put my, myself in the shoes of maybe the unbeliever because, you know, I, I want to be able to communicate the best way uh, possible. Um, but, but I just, I wonder like, what, 
what do people think when they hear this word, when they read Romans chapter 1? And, uh, you know, we, we, try to hear t- we try to have, you know, good music. Uh, I, I like to think that we have good music, you know, and, and the presence of God. Um, I know that, you know, later, a little bit later, we're going to have a, some giveaways. We have some little goodies. We have, we have friends. We have a good time, right? But you also have to go through this. <laughs> and you might not feel like this is as advertised. You saw Friendsgiving, right? Very friendly, very welcoming, right? Um, and, 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 and you feel like, well, th- this, isn't, this isn't that. <laughs> it's like, the, it's like I, I was reminded one time I went with my mom to one of those... Uh, one of those Mary Kay parties. You guys, you guys know about those, right? It was women. You guys know about those. Uh, they were like super popular back in the day. And, and I, she tagged me along with her. And, you know, I thought, well, this is a party. It's a party, right? There's going to be, there's going to be people. There's going to be good food. And, you know, there might be some other kids running around. I'll go and I'll meet some new kids and make some friends. And it's going to be cool, right? And we get there and we're just all sitting down in this woman's living room and, 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 and they're trying to sell each other makeup and they're trying on different makeup and they're looking at each other in the mirror. And I'm like, what, what is this? <laughs> where's, where's the pizza at? There was like a veggie tray with like some broccoli and branch dip. I'm like, where's the, where the wings at, man? There was one other kid that was like as miserable as I was. Maybe you're thinking that this is that. It doesn't look, it doesn't sound like a friendly time. You're being preached to. You're being told that what is so popular in our culture is not the way that God would have us live our lives. You might not think that the next 35 minutes are, are a friendly time, but I would argue that a true friend, someone say true friend. A true friend tells their friends not what feels good, not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear, what is true. That's, that's the type of people that I want in my life. I want a friend who doesn't just tell me what I want to hear. Sometimes I do want you to tell me what I want to hear, sometimes. But what I need is a friend who tells me what I need to hear. Wives, when you ask your husbands how a particular outfit looks on you, I hope that you are looking for an honest answer. I, don't ask it if, if you ain't looking for an honest answer, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm preaching, Brother Larry, I'm preaching. <laughs> sometimes they ask and you know it's a hit or miss you know some guys are just determined to say yes honey you look good they're, they're not even looking at you other ones are going to look at you and they're like all right you, you, you want you want the truth <laughs> right that's that's the type of a friend that, that I would consider a good friend someone who is going to tell you the truth and that's what I want to do today we don't have these friends and family Sundays with the number one priority to have a, a great hour and a half that's definitely included that goes into the planning. But I want to do these. The reason that we have these events, and I'll be honest with you, the reason we have these events is because I want an opportunity to tell somebody about the grace and love of my Jesus Christ who saved me from my sins and the trespasses of my sins and my darkness and pulled me out into his amazing grace. That's what I want to tell people about because that's the truth. And it's an important truth, the truth that needs to be said. Some truths don't need to be said. <laughs> if your wife don't look good in that, you, you don't need to say it. I would advise that you don't say it. But some truth need to be said. And when we speak about the truth, we, we also have to talk about the uncomfortable parts of it. We have to talk about the, 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 all, the, the thing that we've all been exposed to 
the things that we all struggle with, I don't care who you are, and that's sin. We have to talk about sin. I know, I know, uncomfortable, but the truth is, church, sin destroys. Sin is separation from God. Evil is the absence of God. Evil happens when you take God out of the situation. Just like darkness is the absence of light, coldness is the absence of heat. When you take out God, you get evil. You get a a cold and dark fate whereby the presence of God is so far away that you cannot escape where you are. And what's scary, church, what's scary is that sin is normal. Sin in our world, a lifestyle without God, is normal. It's a thing to do. And if it's normal, it's threatening because we are inclined to normal. People like to be normal. No one wants to be weird. So we have to talk about the realities of sin. That's what Paul is doing here. Paul is, Paul is calling out the sin that has replaced the ways that our creator would have for his creation. Paul is telling the people in his day, he says, the people have suppressed the truth. They know the truth, but they have suppressed it. What truth is he talking about? He's talking about the existence of God. That's what he's talking about. He's saying people know of the existence of God. The evidence is there, but they refuse to acknowledge it. Church, do you know that we have evidence of God's existence? People, people, people wonder all the time, but, but God gave it to us at the outset of creation. When he said, let there be light, that's evidence when you go out and you look at, at the world, when you look at what, when you look at the, the stars and the cosmos and the, and the moon and, and the sun, and don't look at the sun, but, but you know what I mean? Like, that, that's evidence of, of a creator God. We have been given evidence in the form of his creation, the, re, the resources that allow us to thrive, the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the sunlight that keeps us warm. If anything was off, even by the tiniest degree, scientists, this is secular scientists, say that the world would not be sustainable for life. That only takes a very precise, personal, intelligent being who could orchestrate this order in our universe. That's evidence. That's all the evidence I need. But if we want to go even further than that, God didn't just create, he also instilled in us a sense of morality, a sense of what is good and what is evil. He has given us a conscience. He has given us the ability to reason and to think logically. Creation alone tells us that there is an intelligent, personal, purposeful God behind everything that exists. But some have traded that truth. Verse 21 says they exchanged the truth for for God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Now, when we think of worship, I know that we think of, you know, bowing down, face planted to the ground. But that's that's not the only form of worship. When we come to church on Sunday, we lift up our hands. We sing these songs. That's that's just a, a tiny fraction of what worship is. Worship is a devotion. Worship is a lifestyle. So it's easy to see that even in our culture that people have replaced devotion for God for devotion for things that that have been created by man. 
And that's what he's saying here in this passage. And it sounds so relevant, doesn't it? I mean, he wrote this 2,000 years ago. This is 20 years after Jesus went to the cross. But it sounds like he's speaking to us today. And that's because this word has always been relevant since the beginning of time. Back with Adam and Eve, truth was traded for something that was less offensive. It was traded for something that would bring self-pleasure rather than honor for God. Adam and Eve traded the truth for a lie that told them everything would be okay if you just looked out for yourself. And then this lie would continue to infiltrate God's creation. Jesus was even tempted with a lie. And this is the war that we find ourselves in, church. It's a battle against truth. You with me this morning still? It's a war against truth. Church, if we, if we fall for a lie at any point, we reject the truth. And if we reject the truth, we reject God. We reject God, we separate ourselves from God. That's what it means to live a life of sin. It's a life without God. And that's how souls are lost. And if you look at in our world, this is exactly what is happening. People have traded the truth for something else. And here's the thing. God doesn't want to be separated from you. God loves you. Second Peter tells us that, that it is not the will of God that any should perish, but all to come into repentance. God wants to be close to you. You know, uh, the hardest part, and I think any parent would tell you that the hardest part about having COVID as a parent is, is, is not being able to have you know, physical contact with your kids. That was me. Two weeks, I could not, I could not hug, I could not carry, I could not kiss my my two little girls, and I'm one of those super affectionate dads. Like I, I just, I just, I love them so much. I just squeeze them and I kiss them and I just, I, I annoy them. It's the same way that my mom still is with me. Uh, <laughs> I get it, I get it now. But that that's how I am with them. I mean, to the point, Lay- Layla, Layla says, "Dad, you're smothering me," <laughs> but that's just that's just how I am, and. And Layla, it was hard for Layla because Layla, you know, she's not really that affectionate. But what she does like to do is she likes to play a lot with, with me. She likes, to, um, she likes to be physical. She likes to wrestle. Um, and, and so we, we wrestle a lot. We like to fight, you know, on the floor. And uh, she, she has this game that she calls, I don't know where she comes up with these names, but she, she calls it Big Brother Little Sister, where I'm the big oppressive brother and she's the little sister and and we just we just fight and so so this week earlier this week I think it was Monday this was already the third time she asked me she said daddy can we can we play big brother little sister and uh I I told her no like for the third time Layla no because I can't really I can't be touching you I don't I can't be close in in your face and I I I, it's not I can't do that I still have COVID and I kid you not this, this is what she said she she got a little sad and she paused for a little bit and she said, I guess I could just get COVID. <laughs> she said, I'm just a kid. I'm, I'll probably be okay, you know. <laughs> and she, she wanted to play that badly. And it was, so, it was hard telling them no. It was hard keeping my distance from Ellie. Ellie, you know, she's just getting cuter by the day. And I'm just like, I just want to squeeze your cheeks. And, and she just started crawling and she, man, she's fast, man. She's like a little tiger. She's like, ah, ah. And, and she comes, she comes crawling over to me and I'm running away from her. Like she's a monster, you know, that needs to be 
avoided. That's, that was so difficult. And obviously, it's not because I wanted to be separated from them. I love my kids. First thing that, that I did when, when, when I was free to go is I just gave them a bunch of hugs and kisses. Um, but I had this sickness that I didn't want to be in the presence of what was healthy, right? And so that's why they tell you to quarantine for 14 days because what is likely to spread and cause harm should not be around what is healthy. It's not that we don't like each other. And, and when we live a life of sin, church, it's the same thing. We are separated from God, not because God doesn't love us, not because he doesn't want you back. I bet he can't wait to hold you in his arms again. And this is illustrated with, with the prodigal son where the son leaves his father's house and after some time he comes back and, and he's embraced by his father. That's what God wants. He wants to be reconvened with those that have been separated from him. But just like an illness should not be in the presence of what is healthy, sin cannot dwell in the presence of what is holy. It cannot happen. And God is holy. He is pure. And, and, and so Paul, he's exhorting these Romans to, to live a life that is pure and holy. He, he says a little bit later in, in Romans 12, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. I want you to think about the, the, the urgency of that word urge. I urge you. I need you to listen to this and I need you to put it into practice. He says, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice that is acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then he says this in verse two, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have you ever thought about why, why a renewing of mind is required for spiritual transformation? Have you ever wondered that? Why? Why is a renewing of mind? Why do I need to renew my mind if I want to be transformed spiritually? Why, why not renew my heart? The heart is what is deceitful. Why the mind? Why does he say renew your mind? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's because, and I want you to understand this, it's because the most a powerful attack against the Christian faith is not on your heart, it's on your mind. It is on your mind. I don't know if you got that. I'm going to say it again. The most powerful attack against the Christian faith is not on your heart. It is on your mind. This is why Christians are falling away. They are rejecting God with their mind. They're they're trading the truth of their mind. And, And if their mind is not properly aligned, then their heart is not going to be aligned. If your mind can be convinced of something that is not true, that's all it takes to forsake God. That's why it's so important. Church, to guard your mind, guard what you take in. Paul says to put on the helmet of salvation so that your mind is protected. What you consume your mind with, church, your heart will begin to desire. Someone needs to hear that again. Whatever you, because you've been consuming some things, what you consume your mind with, your heart is going to eventually align with what you've been taking in over and over and over and over again. Sometimes I watch these, these, uh, you know, these, these, uh, I don't want to say like flipping shows, um, but they're the, there's these, they're the real estate agents who sell like tens of million dollar homes. And I was, I was binge watching one day. Um, and I was just, I was just taking it in. I was just taking it in. And then I, I, I started to desire, I was like, oh man, I would love to do that. 
I would love to do. And yeah, sure. I would love to do. I would love to sell a $10 million home. Praise God. But, but I started to notice like, if I, if I keep consuming this, my heart is going to be aligned with something that is very, very dangerous. Could be greed. It could be me, me, me chasing something more and more and more. And so whatever you consume your mind with, you have to be careful. You have to, you have to be careful. People can be very obsessive about anything. You know, you discover a new hobby, new career. You know, you want to get into something, a new interest. What do you do? You consume more of those things so that you learn more about those things, right? That's, that's how you do it. And if you like it, if you like what you're consuming, you're going to continue consuming more of it because you want to master it. And, and then you will begin to act out what you've consumed. In other words, you will digest what you ingest. And there's nothing wrong with this. I would argue that this is, this is how you become good at certain things. This is how you become knowledgeable about certain things. Melissa and I are <laughs> both have very obsessive personalities. That's why I say I have to watch myself sometimes. I remember when I, when I got into... Uh, real estate, when I got into photography, when, way back in the day when I got into theology, man, I would just consume content and books and YouTube videos because I wanted to be good at what interested me. There's nothing wrong with that. The danger lies in what you consume. The danger lies in what you consume. Whatever you consume in excess, you will begin to believe, and whatever you begin to believe, you will it will dictate your life. And so the world wants your mind to reflect what is normal. And if you watch certain shows on TV, man, they, they spoon feed it to you, man. They spoon feed what they want you to accept. They spoon feed to you what, what they consider normal. Society deems this is okay. So, so you should too take a bite. And so this is why we have to guard our kids. This is why we have to, we have to, Sit down with them and watch every show that they watch because there's always something in there. We're always finding something with Layla's, you know, shows that, that we've watched and we're like, oh, this is, this is good. This is, we finally found something. And then there, there it is. There's a spoon coming at you. And if you take it in over and over and over again, you're convinced that this is okay. And you don't even realize that you're getting further and further away from the truth of God's word. The world wants your mind to reflect what is normal, what is trendy, what is cool, what feels good. Because if your mind is convinced, then your heart will align with that. So Paul says, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Redirect your focus. Don't, don't, don't be deceived. Don't buy into lies. Renew your mind by placing your mind on God on godly things, on what is good, on what is pure, on what is noble, on what is trustworthy and righteous. There is a war for our souls, church, and all it takes is a perversion of truth to defeat us. That's why Bible study matters, man. That's why consuming the word of God matters because, because you're probably being exposed more to the world than you are the word. Just by default, just by living, just by going to work eight, nine hours a day. So you have to protect your mind with what is true. That's why coming to church matters. 
This is why sound teaching is important. Because if you can be convinced that sin is harmless, then you will begin to slowly be separated from God until you've completely been turned away. It's not a lot of amens today. So I want to ask you a question this morning to everybody, not just non-believers, believers and everyone. I want, you to, since, I want you to seriously ask yourself, what have you been convinced of as normal that God has deemed unnatural? Think about it. Do you justify your jealousy? Do you justify the way that you treat people? Do you justify the way that you think? Your ideologies? God has called us away from what the world calls normal. If you remember, if you remember the nation of Israel, they demanded a king. They demanded a king prematurely. It wasn't that God was never going to give him a king. He was. He had planned. He already had planned that. But he, they asked for a king prematurely. They said, we want a king. And, 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 and do you know why their main argument was so that we could be like everyone else? So that we could be normal. Why are we the only ones without a king? Give us a king so that we could be like everyone else. You remember the prodigal son? Why did he leave? He had everything that he needed. He had, he, he, he had the provision. He had the shelter. He had food. He had everything. But he had heard about a world that would offer him something that he had never had before. And he just wanted to be normal. He had to taste it. And every time, church, the world's normal leaves people dissatisfied and empty and incomplete. And today, God is calling someone back into what was normal, what, what, what normal was supposed to look like. Church, we were made for fellowship with God. You were made with a purpose in mind. You were made to, to glorify, to worship as the creation, your creator. And all of this was made possible again through Jesus. I'm going to have the worship team come up. You know, today, I, I, I try to tell the, the members of the house, and this is why I tell people to invite someone. I tell them that the word is, is probably going to be more directed to maybe someone who is not walking with God. Because, again, this is the truth, and it's, it's, it's so important. So just real quick, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus stepped into our normal. That's what he does. He steps into your life. He steps, he shines his light on your darkness, on your insecurities, on your weaknesses. He steps into your marriage. He steps into your finances. He steps into your home. He can invade your life if you allow him to. Jesus came to us. He did that for us so that we could no longer be separated from God because we were already separated by sin. So what did he do? He stepped down into our normal. He invaded our space. He came into darkness and he reconciled us to God once more. I want to I want to read you this final passage of scripture here and then and then we'll be about done. Romans 5, 6 through 11. It says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. Listen to this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in the God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have been reconciled. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.